Welcome to the Team EF Coaching Performance Podcast, where we take information from the highest level of sport and make it accessible for all cyclists. I'm your host, Zach Morris, and in this episode, I have the founder of a fast-growing nutrition brand in the endurance sports industry called Never Second. With me today is Mr. Bill Armstrong. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Zach. So, Bill, I'm a huge fan of the Never Second products myself. I, I, I use them every single day in my training, and I actually don't know much about them the brand myself and you and the people behind the brand. So I, I thought it'd be pretty cool if I could just get a little bit of a background on you since you're the founder and how Never Second got started. Well, thanks so much for asking and, and for having us on. Um, my background uh, prior to Never Second, uh, athletically speaking, was as a runner uh, before I started Never Second. Uh, my first company was a product development company uh, that I started with my wife uh, back in 2000. Uh, we sold that business uh, back in 2018 and uh, started Never Second uh, after about a year or two hiatus. Um, when I first start, started Never Second, I reached out to um, uh, some friends in the space uh, talking about, you know, are there potentially different needs within the, the performance nutrition space? At that point, I was really what I was really trying to do was to combine my uh, experience as a product developer that was my past life with working with endurance athletes, which is where my passion is. Uh, shortly afterwards, I was put in touch with uh, Dr. Oscar Yeikendrup. Uh He was described to me by the friend who introduced us as the Pope of Sports Nutrition. Uh, as I started to speak to Oscar more and more, uh, I realized that uh, he truly was the uh, pivotal in the establishment of gold standard fueling for uh, endurance athletes. So that was really the beginning of the brand. Uh, we've been, uh, I guess, launched in July 2021, and uh, things have been uh, very exciting and fast growing ever since. So what kind of products did you create in the past? Oh gosh, we worked with global uh, consumer product companies. So everyone from your Unilevers and Procter and Gamble's down to startups. Uh, we worked on products primarily topical. So we worked within uh, health, wellness, beauty, personal care products primarily. Okay, that explains the good branding because it's very rare a new company comes out and I'm like, oh hey, good branding. I, I like I like the way that all looks right up. Right, right away, first year, you know. So thanks. So, so that explains that part of it. So, tell me a little bit more about how you got hooked up with Oscar because I, I do agree with you. I'm a huge fan of Oscar. I think he is um, the the leader in in sports nutrition in, in in our industry. He's somebody we all look up to. So, so how did you get hooked up with him? So uh, early on, uh, I was introduced to a, a gentleman named Zibby Slupchik, who uh, uh, is very well known in the triathlon space and uh early on i st we were evaluating different scientists we can work with uh zibby immediately recommended oscar and uh uh we had conversations and it was very clear that oscar was the right person to work with so uh at the time i didn't i didn't really know who he was and uh, so but a little bit of research uh showed me that uh, he was definitely the right partner to have in the business 
you know, especially since, you know, early on, one of the things we were trying to do was to decide in that pivotal, that pivotal question that all branding uh, folks have to ask themselves, is there space for us in this arena? I mean, at that point I looked around, I came, I'm old enough to remember power bar in the States and, and cliff bar and a lot of the brands that have come and coming on, um, there are a lot of brands in the market today. And the first question I asked Oscar was, you know, is there space for us? And he said, look, for the past 25 years, I've been in this and athletes continue to make a lot of mistakes with their fueling, uh, primarily because one, they're relatively confused, uh, by the brand marketers, um, who are constantly launching products that just don't make a lot of sense. A lot of them are built on improper compositions. Uh, and then you know, they're sold on these ingredients and blends and things that don't really help them. And so the athletes oftentimes get really confused. And then there's really no blueprint for success. And so uh, Oscar said, look, there's definitely, we do a few things. Uh, there's definitely, we give athletes a blueprint for success. We build products using a common composition. Uh, we can help athletes feel better, not just sell them products, but actually help them feel better. That's that's fascinating. I think that that initial concept has absolutely resonated to the way I receive the brand today, and also the way I introduce people to the brand. Um, of course, you know, in our coaching company, we have a lot of people ask us every single day about nutrition, and I always tell them. And just so you guys know, this episode is not sponsored by Never Second. I always <laughs> tell them Never Second, and 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 the main reason for that is how simple it you guys have made it to get your nutrition right you know I, I had a conversation with with our nutritionist from the team will girling on the podcast and, and and you know we talked about how simple it is to just keep track of 30 and 90 gram servings whereas a lot of other brands out there they're they got 26 grams in one product 34 grams in another and you're out there riding threshold trying to do math equations and you're just you think you're doing all right, but you're never sure. And so with never second, it's, it's, it's really easy to keep track of. So, so that's, that's cool that that's the concept you guys came up with. And it's, it's gone all the way through now to international markets. So you guys are distributed now in, in, in how many countries, Bill? Uh, roughly 40 right now, uh, since we've launched, we, we, I mean, we came into the brand with, I think a pretty aggressive, aggressive launch strategy. And so we entered Europe, uh, U.S. and uh, U.K. and some uh, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, Latin America, all at the same time, uh, which was probably uh, not the easiest path. But uh, we, it's something that we definitely believe in. Uh, Long term is the right strategy. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's the the message that's really resonated with athletes. To your point, is that we've made it a lot easier for them. In a lot of athletes, when I first started working uh, and and receiving phone calls from athletes, a lot of them would say, "Hey, I'm wondering when my never second uh, product supply is going to come." And we realized they never bought from us before. So there's this kind of confusion out in the marketplace that performance nutrition is like for race day only or something. And what we've really tried to do with our blueprint for success is to help athletes train their gut. So that they have well first of all they have better training sessions can make marginal gains during training uh optimize their training recover better perform better and then on race day we are looking to ultimately take out remove the question marks 
uh, about fueling protocol to remove it because the athlete has hopefully used uh, the performance in training and therefore on race day, they're just doing what they already know works. Yeah. So, so for me, I think that I, I've said this maybe a couple of times now, I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast, but I think the biggest change in the level of the level of pressure athletes are able to compete with throughout the duration of an entire event today, the, the single biggest factor that has made that change is nutrition. And I've seen this the full spectrum on my end back in the day when I was racing on a, a European team as a, as a 19 year old kid, you know, the protocol was ride five hours, don't eat anything. And if you feel good at any point throughout the ride, you're doing it all wrong. And now I'm on the other side where it's like, dude, if I don't get my 90 grams of carbs an hour while I'm out there training, I'm a, I'm a miserable, grumpy old man. So I, uh, I, I, I am so appreciative for all of the, you know, science and, and regular available information that is, that has come forward. And that's why I'm so passionate about extending a, a lot of what is your guys's message as well. And, and that's getting people on the right track. So when you guys started this company, was that one of the core things you had you had set out to do is to get people to stop just buying gels on race day and just try to, to fuel up and start to teach them how to, you know, train their gut, how to build up tolerance to be able to consume more carbs and not just consume more, you know, carbs while they're out while they're while they're out there, but actually train their body to convert it to glycogen while they're out there training. Is that something you guys kind of strategize in the initial concepts of creating the brand? Yeah, I think I think one of the really important, I guess, purposes of of Never Second is to educate as as much as sell, and I think that that's one one thing that we had noticed when we first started working with athletes is they're quite resistant because the reality is that con athletes are consumers, and consumers are used to brands over communicating with them trying to get them to buy things they don't need and so when you know yes we're a profit for-profit business for sure um but i think we do uh see it as a necessary part of our mission especially because of our relationship with oscar to help educate as much as provide a a product solution and so for us that's something if you go to our website or you look at our communications uh, it's definitely skewed towards high-level education because we, we think that an informed consumer is someone that uh, is using our products for the right reasons. I mean, fundamentally, whenever we start working with a new athlete or team, any of our sponsored athletes, it's also pivotal that we uh, give them access to webinars and education so that they aren't just taking products and taking it our word at face value, but they're also understanding why they should take them and how to optimize how they take them. That's one of the other things we always say. It's not just about what you take, but when you take it and how you take it. And so that's, um, I think, you know, really an important part of the mission, uh, never second. I think you touched on a, a very sensitive point for me there. And that is that, you know, brands, in, especially in this industry, they, but I mean, every industry, Bill, let's be honest, every industry brands yeah. are just pushing products on people all day, every day. And yeah, a lot of our consumers have become desensitized to that, but it's not just the consumers. It's actually the pro athletes as well. I did, I did a training camp with Anamiek Van Fluten down here in Medellin this year. We, we did uh, an altitude camp together and 
Yeah, I'm not throwing anime under the bus at all, but it's amazing <laughs> that an athlete who has won the Giro d'Italia, Vuelta Espana, Tour de France, World Championships, all the biggest races that you can win as an athlete is still overcoming some of those, what I would consider initial nutritional challenges mentally, right? Understanding that you have really no choice but to fuel your effort if you want to perform your best at the end of an event. It's not necessarily about just getting carbs in in the last hour because now it really counts. It's about a performance, you know, from the start of the week to the last kilometer on race day in many cases. And so I think that a lot of this numbing that the brands have instilled in the consumers has really impacted in a negative way the performance of athletes overall. So I guess my question to you is, you know, how how do we how do we overcome that? It's I think it's a long road. We're definitely here on a long game because I think it takes a while for athletes to unilaterally recognize sea change and how and and, and right now um, I mean we work with a number of professional athletes. They have, some of them are amazing in terms of their adoption of protocol like we work with um, in the United States uh, three of my favorite athletes are, are uh, Keegan Swenson, and Sevilla Villavon and Russell Finster while these athletes understand and implement top level protocol um, they really are highly technical athletes there are others that um, are more resistant I mean as a, as a as a runner I can tell you that you know and many endurance athletes being masochists believe if they just train harder and suffer more, they're going to do better. But Oscar said something to me really early on that, that resonated. He said, nutrition is the easiest way for you to improve your performance without actually having to train for it. Uh, and by that, there's minimal training. There's gut training that should be done to optimize. But it's something that um, if we can just over the long haul get the message across. And I do think that there are right now, a lot of the brands are starting to take note of what we're doing and they're starting to at least communicate the right way. And so I think it's going to take a, a few more years for there to be more unilateral adoption across the, across the, uh, across the industry. But I do think that there is, it's definitely been a slow moving train, but we do see that there is definitely a, a wider understanding across the board with endurance athletes about the importance they're seeing these top level athletes perform at unbelievable level and very consistently. And that's, I think they'll start to take notice. So I think between our communication, other brands communicating top level athletes who are doing really well communicating, um, that tends to trickle down. So I have a, a little bit of a different perspective on that. And I think what I've noticed is that one of the biggest disconnects is between people who do the sport recreationally and their relationship with pro riders is that they do not see themselves anywhere worthy of what pro riders do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I see this as a fundamental problem when it comes to nutrition it's different when it comes to buying nice bikes and riding the best stuff because everybody wants to have just the nicest shoes the nicest shirts and the bikes kind of like in that category we all like nice shiny things right so you'll, you'll get yeah. you'll get the best bike but what happens is they don't feel like they 
work hard enough to fuel like the pros and they think that the pros are actually uh, in a totally different category when it comes to all of these more you know technical things in, in terms of nutrition and I also see it on the training side and so I always say this to people you know I'm using myself as an example a lot this year because I did this like big transformation where I wasn't riding for like five, six months, and then I got back on the bike, and in 16 weeks, I lost 14 kilos, and I tell people all the time, I said, there wasn't a single ride where I didn't have 90 grams of carbs an hour. You don't underfuel the the work that you're doing. You, you lose the weight or you optimize the body composition outside of training, but if you want to actually optimize body composition and increase performance at the same time, which you very much can do. There's a big misconception out there that you can't lose weight and increase performance at the same time. But I'm telling you right now that you absolutely can. And the only way to do that is to fuel your efforts on the bike. So I think if more people understood that, regardless of your level, regardless of whether you aspire to be a pro or you just want to beat your friends on the town line sprint, fueling for your ride will make a massive difference like mr oscar said right i i can't i I can't agree more it's fantastic uh what you're saying is absolutely the the truth and it's something that we have seen uh a lot of even at the professional level uh a lot of athletes are resistant to uh or or tend to under fuel uh which is unfortunate because they do see it as you know part of uh, weight management they kind of connect the two which which is unfortunate uh, but generally speaking, our advice would be right. If you're looking to at your composition, it shouldn't be during training. You do need to feel your your uh, your sessions correctly, and and that's something that uh, we definitely endorse and recommend. So we know why ever se- never second exists. We love it. Now let's talk about some of the products. Yeah, I, I I love why you guys entered the market. You wanted to make a difference. You wanted to educate athletes. But what makes the pro- aside from the serving values? What makes the products different? Well, I think the one thing that we tell people, and I think it it, it really is 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 very true, is most brands are developing products as standalone. Typically, a marketer will say, "Okay, let's launch a gel." Okay, let's and what will the composition be? Okay, that tastes good, and they put it out into the market as a standalone. Some some are better than others, for sure. Never Seconds products are really developed as a system. And that's important because if the foundation's right from the beginning, it's it's easy to really build something that athletes can grow, can learn from, benefit from, and understand. And so uh, initially that was the, the, the most important thing was the communication. All the products had to have the same composition of two to one glucose to fructose so that they could be mixed and matched, combined without with a reduced risk of gastric uh, gastric issues and at the same time delivering a very high uh, oxidation rates. Uh, they all needed to be built on 30 gram increments of carbohydrate against, as you had mentioned earlier, that they could be, uh, it would make it easier for athletes to calculate, train and perfect how they do their fueling. Uh, it was also important for us to develop the system where we provide a wide variety of texture and flavor. You know, one of the things we kept hearing from a lot of the world tour teams was, you know, flavor fatigue is a real thing. You can't just have one gel flavor or two gel flavors. You have to offer variety because, you know, for athletes that are consuming products day in and day out, 
uh, flavor and, and the qual quality of life or <laughs> it does matter. And so uh, that was important for us. So initially we launched our drink mixes, the C30 sports drink mix, 30 grams of carbohydrate. Uh, our C30 gels we launched with initially. Uh, since then, uh, we've uh, launched our high carb drink mix, our C90, which has become a, a real staple for a lot of endurance athletes. Uh, currently, we are now at finalizing kind of this assortment between drink drinks, gels, and solids by launching our C30 fuel bar. That's launching actually right now uh, you know, globally in Europe, UK, and uh, US and global markets. Um, we're also uh, starting to look at introducing some innovation uh, type products that can offer some unique um, advantages. Our C30 ice gel is launching uh, in about 20 days, and that's again a 30 gram, two to one uh, composition fueling product that offer offers uh, some cooling benefits in addition to uh, the energy benefits for athletes. Okay. That's awesome. Let's jump into this a little bit deeper. So I'm a huge fan of the system. I'm so grateful that you guys have created a system because nutrition has always been a system. We've just had to put the puzzle together on our own until you guys came around. So it's, it, I'm so grateful and it makes it so much easier for me as somebody who builds systems for our coaching business, for our coaches to use as a system builder myself. I love how easy it is to share this system with with my athletes so talk to me a little bit about this 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 two to one ratio why does this matter so one of the one of the well it since the beginning uh, of i guess since the since the 1990s when uh oscar started doing research into which carbohydrate blends delivered the highest oxidation rates that is the fundamental challenge for uh performance fueling brands is to deliver the highest amount of energy to athletes with the least potential for getting an athlete sick. Uh, during uh, Oscar's tests, he is one of the pivotal scientists who ran these tests to determine which carbohydrate blend was the most effective. And he would, he would grade that as an efficiency. The goal, again, the efficiency is delivering the highest oxidation rates to muscles with the least potential for getting an athlete sick. That's the challenge. And so two, at the time, uh, two to one uh, maltodextrin to fructose uh, and glucose to fructose compositions tended to uh, perform the best. And they really are still today the gold standard for, uh, for endurance fueling. And that's fundamentally the composition of all of our products. I think, you know, the other thing that's important to mention is mixing different compositions. Uh, in the stomach, you know, imagine you're an athlete, you're taking in drinks and gels and bars. If you're starting to take in uh, products that use uh, different compositions, the ratios aren't the same anymore. And so that was another really important part of building the Never Second portfolio of products is that the compositions all had to be the same. And so that uh, hopefully uh, answers your question. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. And, and that's, that's why the, the system makes sense. Athletes are like, I like, I like this gel from this brand and this drink mix from this brand. And what, what ends up happening is their stomachs literally explode while they're out there because your body can just not handle that much inconsistency and that much. Just think of it as like internal disruption. You're just creating all kinds of chaos in your digestive tract. So it's, it's just so much easier to give your body the same thing day in, day out, 
and let it become more and more efficient at processing it and using it as fuel. So that's really cool. Now, another thing that I wanted to ask you is why a bar? Why do we need a solid? What's the benefit of that? Well, that's a great question. I think since the beginning, it's always been very important for us to offer athletes a variety of flavor and texture. Bars have always been in our crosshairs as something we needed to and wanted to launch because the reality is some, you know, athletes have preferences. There's also the, the reality of practicality. You know, when you're in a race scenario, a bar may be impossible to consume. So when one athlete, for instance, they may not even have the time to fumble with a wrapper, so they may opt towards liquid fuel. Um, but there are also athletes who really, you know, we work with, for instance, a lot of ultra distance runners who might be out on a 24 hour race. Uh, they need to eat something. And the goal that they're then with a solid product like our C30 fuel bar is to deliver uh, the 30 grams of carbohydrate and to do it in such a way that we keep the risk of gastric distress as low as possible. You know, we also looked at the bar market. Um, it's probably, well, I guess there are a lot of bars out in the market that present as performance bars, but which tend to really be more of a, a lifestyle bar. And so we felt there was a real need to launch something that is a bar that is a true performance bar okay. that is, is comes from listening to, listening to athletes. Like what do they want? What is going to work best for them? So that's really how. Uh, you know the the story, the backstory behind when we, uh, how we built our C30 fuel bar. Um, now that our C30 fuel bar is launching, um, you know we we're, we're super excited about it in terms of its composition. As I as I mentioned earlier, it's two to one glucose fructose. But beyond that, all of the small attributes, the details matter. And so, for instance, we thought about what is the size of the bar? What's an appropriate size? Um, how should it be to chew and swallow? So ours is, for instance, a very smooth texture and easy to swallow. These sorts of considerations, I think, uh, are what make the difference between an average or lifestyle type bar and something that is relevant for a performance athlete. That 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 that's cool that you guys kept kept you stayed in line with with the initial mission, right? I get so many dms and so many like even local people coming up with their new bar and their new nutrition stuff and all this and i'm like what am i going to do with that you've got like four grams of fiber in this bar and like eight grams of fat like i just i, I don't have a place for that because of the way i train i like to train really hard and personally i don't eat any bars i'm carb mix and gels i'm out there for four or five six hours carb mix and gels I'm good to go. I don't need anything else. But I, I, I do see that the the lifestyle bar, what was designed to be a lifestyle bar, designed to be a snack while you're stuck in traffic on the highway, has definitely made its way into like this, you know, sports performance space. And it's it's so strange for me. I see people literally at like the top of a climb, getting ready to descent and go into the go into another climb, like eating a grainy oat bar. And I'm sitting there going like, why? You're going to feel like crap. So it's it, it, yeah. interesting. It's interesting that you guys created that. And I'm definitely excited to try it. When When's that, when's that going to be available? 
Uh, it's actually launching any day. We're just waiting for final approvals. Uh, but the batches are right now waiting for waiting to ship from the U.S. as well as Europe. So any day now, uh, it's something we're really excited about. We did a lot of tests on this bar, and that's you mentioned the fat and the fiber and protein. Those are fundamentally, um, I guess, called the enemies of absorption. And so the goal when you're building a bar is to have as little fat, fiber, and protein in the bar, assuming it's a, it's an energy bar, uh, as, as few of those elements as possible uh, in the bar. It's a challenge because you still have to deliver a palatable bar that people actually want to eat. And so that's uh, that's the challenge. But I think we've done a really good job. I, I'm, I'm super excited to see. We, we definitely have some feedback from professional teams as well as professional athletes. It's been unilaterally fantastic. So we're uh, we're really excited to bring this product to the consumer market. Cool. I want to ask you about one more product, and I've got a couple of more general questions for you. But the, the ice gel. I saw this, and I immediately thought to myself, okay, if I watch the Tour de France last year, I can think of one team in particular who was handing out ice and ice bottles and ice bags and were so focused on bringing down core body temperature at every possible turn they could possibly get. They ended up winning the Tour de France, but it was fascinating for me to see how much effort they put into regulating that body temperature. Does this ice gel have the potential to reduce core body temperature in any way? We hope so. I mean, in, in, in a world of marginal gains, uh, that's the that's the plan with the ice gel. I think that when we're talking about heat relief, there's the reality of cooling body temperature, and then there's also the psychological or mental advantage of, of having something cold uh, during a hot effort. Um, we used the ice gels extensively last year uh, at the Tour de France with a few of the professional teams and... Uh, the ones that uh, had a limited supply were upset. They wanted more of them. And so uh, it really started the the wheels working for us uh, after the tour to figure out how we could bring this to a consumer market. There were definitely some flaws in the product last year during the tour. It was very hard to open. And so uh, we, we worked to to resolve those issues. And I mean, then we also had to think like, for instance, okay, we're, we were using this with professional athletes. How do we bring this to um, a or more mainstream audience when it has to be chilled and what are the what are the uses and benefits to the the amateur and the prosumer type of athlete and so I think we've uh, we've got a real exciting product coming there's a ton of uh, a ton of interest from the consumer market we're also looking at some of the um, the less typical markets for it as well ones that are are not endurance sports but field sports where you know in the United States every year we have uh, numerous athletes that have on-field heat exhaustion, heat stroke, and sometimes death that comes from overheating. So we do see that if we're able to offer a product that not only delivers energy, but which can also potentially uh, bring down core uh, temperature, it would be a win for for the athlete and the teams. Pretty cool. Can't wait. Can't Thanks. wait. So one of the big misconceptions in the nutrition space that I am seeing coming to the forefront and brands ready to, to, to take on this battle is electrolytes. Now, Never Second is a pretty lean product on the electrolyte side. And I've read 
that there's good reason for that. So what's, what's your guys' stance on, on the, the, the electrolyte composition in your products and, and how it stacks up to maybe other brands in the industry? That's a great question, Zach. Um, Oscar and I have had a lot of conversations around electrolytes and, uh, you know, fundamentally it's important to always look at what, what really matters in terms of focus. And, uh, you know, we have a long history right now of brands starting, uh, you know, from the, from the 1980s, starting to push electrolytes and typically excessive amounts of electrolytes to athletes and as well as consumers. I mean, there are brands right now that are, uh, selling products that have copious amounts of sodium in them and, and encouraging athletes or, and consumers to take them multiple times a day. Our position is that the, an athlete typically has sodium reserves. We have to build products that are, um, that address the majority of athletes and the majority of athletes are not heavy sodium sweaters. So all of our products are built on 200 milligrams of sodium per serving. Why do we choose 200? It's when we look at the overall, the average athlete, we look at the amount of average sodium depletion on an hourly basis. We look at an average duration of event, uh, or, or exercise event or race, um, we think that the 200 milligrams per serving is sufficient to deliver uh, the needs for the majority of athletes. Um, there are cases, uh, for instance, with long course athletes when they may, for instance, they may be heavy sodium sweaters, um, where then they may be competing in an event that might be multiple hours, you know, 8, 10, 12 plus hours, where sodium depletion can start to become an issue. And so, um, we encourage that athletes, of course, do sweat rate testing and sodium loss testing and to become familiar with that. And the reality is like, for instance, with our C90, we have some athletes that are taking one serving of C90 an hour. And if they take that for an eight or 10 hour race, uh, it may not be sufficient over the long haul if that's all they're taking. And so, uh, in those cases, you can, they can always add a salt tap for instance, but one, thing, one reality that's important to mention is you can always add to a product, right. but you really can't take it away. And we don't want to pre-build products that are based on um, high sodium intake uh, for the sake of doing it. So yes, you're right in that Never Seconds products are all kind of built on delivering only what you need and nothing more than you need. So I, uh, I hope that answers your question. I, I, I love that. I, I think that it's a great idea to add to the product if you need to add to the product, but to have less in it. You know, when it comes to electrolytes, I I see so many people walking around with like their water bottle with like salt in it and like just, just electrolyting up. Just, you know, it's like, just got to get all my electrolytes. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, if you, if you just eat good food and, and salt your meals, like you're going to be all right. Trust me, you're not doing nine hour races. And I, I mean, the athletes that are heavy sweaters are so heavy salt sweaters, sorry. They know, right? Like you're covered in salt. You see the athletes that are covered in salt, right? And so, you know, if you are one of those, then add a salt tap. How much salt should somebody add in, in general if they are heavy sweaters? I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, I was talking to two athletes on a webinar the other day. Each of them was like, like sweating two grams an hour. So their loss is tremendous. Right. And so, um, 
you know, it's really hard to say. I mean, we ulti- fundamentally, to your point, you usually know they usually know who they are uh, because they're covered in white usually when they're sweating and they're they're so it's very hard for us to give stock advice on it. Right. Um, but we do definitely encourage that that athletes um, evaluate it. It's important to note that for your average consumer, many of them are not out for six, eight, 10, 12 hours at a, at a clip. Nope. And it's also important to note that they have sodium reserves in their body. Um, a lot of the um, the brands that are pushing um, too much electrolyte consumption, I don't even know where they're getting their numbers from. I think that it's something that they're just like, it's kind of like, it's the same idea with vitamins, you know, taking copious amounts of, the, of something to kind of check a box doesn't really, isn't really the right way to approach it. Yeah, but the electrolytes for me, it just, it, like I said earlier, it just blows me away. How, how like people are just, dude, it's all about the electrolytes. If I, they, they'll eat no carbs on a ride, but they'll have like the electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Okay, well, Zach, you there, for, you know? there are brands right now that are actually telling athletes to fuel that says fuel on the package and there's actually no carbohydrate in the product. It's an electrolyte product that they're calling fuel. I mean, if nothing else than from a regulatory perspective, it's completely irresponsible. You're basically telling someone this is fuel, but it's not fuel at all. It's it's an electrolyte solution. And so it's it's something that consumers you know i know that they're becoming more and more savvy uh and reading labels more carefully and we've definitely seen that trend um uh, but it's 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 very disappointing that a lot of brands um run around saying things that just are blatantly untrue and and unfortunately it forces consumers to really have to be very careful about what they what they purchase and what they consume but but i i think we do need to be you know i guess honest or just real about one thing and that is that in the sports nutrition space, we're climbing a big mountain, right? We're we're, yes. we're 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 battling quite a few different pillars here. One of those pillars being that sugar is bad, right? Most people out there think that consuming sugar, consuming products with a lot of sugar in it, is bad. And my my spiel on it is from a systemic health standpoint. When you look at an athlete's body that's under quite a bit of load and you factor in the cost of breaking down different foods, does it make more sense for an athlete to, let's, let's, let's go to an extreme here, like eat steak and potatoes while they're riding, or which is, which is a very expensive you know, plate to break down, right? That would cost a lot of energy. You would send a lot of blood to your stomach. You'd spend so much energy breaking down that food. Of course, this is an exaggeration. Nobody's eating steak and potatoes while you're, out of time, <laughs> right? But would would that be healthier, or would it be healthier to put something into the body since the body is under load, right? Would it be more healthy to put something that the body can just easily flow through its system, provide adequate energy to fuel the effort, and provide or cause, sorry, minimal disruption? So I, I think that's a big battle we're up against. And then the other battle is all of this health stuff the general health products. I need my electrolytes. I need my vitamins. I need all these these other things to be healthy. So where do you think we are in that battle? And, it, it, and what do you think the steps forward are? Although that's a great question. Where are we in that? Um, 
we do routinely see these questions from consumers. And unfortunately, there's a lot of kind of, there's only so much time that we can spend explaining to every consumer, you know, what matters. But, you know, the reality is with it on the fueling side of things, which is our, you know, our entire C-series product grouping, it's important to remember that they're supplements. They don't replace a healthy diet, right? And so it's meant for a certain time during training. It's not meant for it to like replace proper eating. Um, and, and I think that's something that we're really spending a lot of time just trying to, to, hit, to hit home with consumers. Um, I think that, you know, our, our mission is to bring this, this level of understanding to consumers. Uh, we're certainly not going to impact everyone. Some people just only have so much time or will only listen to it or they'll have their own opinions. I mean, for instance, we have, you know, athletes that will uh, ask us why we're using maltodextrin and not maple syrup or honey because they're natural sources. And you can go down a long rabbit hole and explain to them what a processed food is. You know, the reality is every gel that they're taking is highly processed. Okay. And um, I'm just so glad you brought sounds. this up. <laughs> okay. They talk about it as if like, Something that sounds natural, like honey or maple syrup, is better for you than maltodextrin and fructose. And it's not. Um, fundamentally, we, we always come down to science because that's something that we can always rely on. That's a single source of truth. It, it's really not. And that, that's, that's a very safe and comfortable for a place for us to be because we're speaking the truth and it's not with a lot of feelings and a lot of times when at, when when we're talking about nutrition and and health and wellness it can go down to this these this use of words that are more around feelings around natural or healthy the reality is um we're in the business of building evidence-based products that are solely for supplement again we certainly encourage during the normal course of of the day, not during training, that you're eating a proper, well balanced diet. That that that's a good answer. So I'm I'm on the extreme side. I love to debate, and I love to challenge science, and I also love to test people's theories that they are highly passionate about. I did a 30 day trial where I just ate candies on my ride, just gummy <laughs> gummy bears. I said, okay, it's just sugar. That's all I need is sugar, right? And the yeah. reality is, you know, I could actually do pretty consistent rides, but my stomach was pretty upset uh, throughout the remainder of the day. And it's tough to put 30 days <laughs> together on candies while you're out there riding the entire the entire time. Plus, flavor fatigue on candy is a real thing. You start to drop <laughs> that next pack yeah. of candy that you're going to crack open. So that's one thing. But then there are other like healthy things that I've tried, like, for example, coconut water. What a disaster. If you want to have an upset stomach, fuel your rides with coconut water. Go ahead, try it. I challenge anybody. I don't encourage anybody, but I will challenge anybody who wants to prove me wrong out there to go and try it. it like it, For me, I love to take these theories and try them and test them and give them an honest crack. And I always come back to, you know what? These products, maltodextrin, these products that are you know seen as maybe unhealthy, that he really work the best. And until something that, you know, comes along that's better, and when I say better, 
you know, comes back to your core, core principles, fuels, and has provides the least, you know, chance of an athlete getting sick, right? Until something co- comes along that can do a better job than that, I'm sticking to it. Sorry, hate to break it to you guys. Call me unhealthy, but I'm sticking to it. Uh, you you bring up a great point too, and in the evidence, even using evidence based is is again a really comfortable place for us to come from. You know, give you one last example, which is very current that we keep we keep hearing about, and you know it comes down to ratios. Is I think a good example of kind of misused by a lot of the uh, the scientists in communicating with consumers because consumers always want to, I think they always want to land at the best solution. And so it's very easy for brand marketers to use the words best, though use the word best to encourage and a, a, a quick answer that isn't always the right answer. So for instance, we're seeing a lot of this um, push towards a one to 0.8 ratio. And we get asked by athletes, oh, is never second using an old science because it's two to one versus one to point versus one to point eight. And, you know, our answer to that is very simple. And unfortunately, it's not the it's not the kind of sexy quick answer, one is better than the other. It's this. It's that there is, based on the amount of carbohydrates you're taking in per hour, an optimal ratio. But that's purely from a, a theoretical perspective. So it is arguable that one to 0.8 might be better for someone who could take 150 grams of carbohydrates per hour, but at what risk? And so when we're building our products, like the Never Second products, it's about we're serving a very large athlete, athlete community. The vast majority of athletes can have a very hard time taking in 90 grams an hour, even for a highly trained athlete who can get up to maybe 120 grams an hour, two to one is still an optimal choice for them. Uh, and then, and then when you start, we, a lot of times we get athletes asking us and saying, look, I, I want to push up to 150 grams an hour. The first, the first question we'll ask is, well, why, what do you, there's no, uh, award for, uh, for carbohydrate consumption. So what's the, what's the value in what you're saying? And so it comes down to really asking those questions about what are you trying to achieve and at what risk, you know, fundamentally we do have athletes that take in 150 grams an hour. They're few and far between. And I certainly wouldn't recommend it for non for non professional athletes. It's nothing that they should even be considering. And so that's I think just another really great example of where uh, science can sometimes be misused, and the words can be um, the the details and the words really matter. I mean, just to think about the lifestyle that would support 150 grams of carbs an hour. I mean, it's just not a happy place to be. You've got to work out so hard, <laughs> like. That's tough. You did, but yes. But the other thing too is like that that study. There's one study that that I know of that supports this ratio that you're talking about, and I think it has like eight people in the trial group. So it's like you know, there's a study that supports this ratio, but it's on like a pretty small group of people that it worked out for. So we don't even really, in my opinion, anyways, I don't know if we really know definitively that the this other ratio is better i've tried it just to give you some feedback personally i it doesn't mix in my water bottle that's a big that's a big factor for me and i don't have uh as good of results over the course of a five-hour ride as i do on a two-to-one ratio so from the crazy guy that tries everything that's my feedback thanks for that i we we definitely 
uh, hear mixed reviews. And and we also need to remember we're, when we're making something for a large swath of people, a large group of people, you can't build something that's only for uh, a very, very small group. And, and to your point about that study is very limited in terms of the audience. And so what we try to do as a brand is to always look at multiple source studies so that the information is is a confident uh, advice. It's not built on one flimsy study. It's it's there's a there's a lot of strong support for the messages we're putting out into the market. And that, I think that's for us really important that we're responsible as a brand. <laughs> that's uh that's hard to come by these days, and it's a hard path to walk to be really responsible. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. It's so good to know because, like, I mean, who can keep track of all the brands that just grab a hold of, like you said, the newest best thing right so it's 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 great to know that you guys are you know sticking to your roots and trying to create products that are that work and ultimately help athletes you know get better i think it's rare and hard like you said hard to come by in today's market it is we're we're trying thank you so much well bill i know you are a busy guy and you got a lot to get to i really appreciate you coming on the show today it was so cool being able to get to know you get to know more about you know the story of never second and uh, I, i'm a huge fan so thank you for coming on we really appreciate it and one one uh carb serving at a time will will change the world my friend <laughs> thank you so much zach i really appreciate you having me on and taking the time and it's been a pleasure speaking with you all right, guys, if you want to learn more about Never Second, head to neversecond.com. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. And if you want to get some one-on-one coaching advice, head to teamefcoaching.com. We'd love to help you. No matter where you are in your cycling journey, we'd love to help you become a better athlete and learn more about the sport of cycling. That's it for this episode. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, subscribe, do all that stuff that people ask you to do because it that actually helps the podcast grow. So. We'll catch you on the next episode, guys. Take care.